everybody to a mini milestone episode for the Phys Ed Table podcast, episode 10. It has been awesome to have brought 10 amazing conversations on and around physical education with now 13 educators and professionals across our 10 episodes. And I promise you, there is no slowing down. We have some amazing new and returning educators coming to the podcast in the future episodes. Last episode was episode nine with Bernie Holland and Joe Ritson, and that was nothing short of amazing. For anyone who has been fortunate enough to interact and connect with either Bernie and Joe, you are well aware of their amazing knowledge and experience in health and physical education. To have them both in the same episode, bouncing ideas off one another and offering that critical insight that Bernie talked about in our practice of physical education allowed for a really inspirational conversation, which I think above all things in that episode really grounded us all to understand what our purpose is as educators and how we can reinforce these concepts through common and authentic teaching. But to celebrate episode 10, I thought it would be great to have someone join me that essentially started me on this journey of networking, uh, particularly in the format of a podcast, but someone who has always been able to inspire me and many, many educators and people. We have Mr. Dale Sidebottom joining us. And as Chloe uh, described Dale back in episode eight, he is an energizer buddy who fills a room whenever he walks into one. He has an amazing thirst for learning, inspiring, and creating. Having presented across multiple countries, worked with elite sports clubs and industries, corporate giants, and in amongst all that, helping thousands of schools generate a passion and love for learning through play, well-being, and fitness. And those three things are what Dale and I are going to discuss in this episode. Dale shares his ideas on play and how we can reconnect with it as adults, well-being and the importance of creating a holistic well-being experience now more than ever for our students and bringing the fun back to fitness. Dale's ability to instill confidence in yourself through his infectious enthusiasm really shines through and I hope you walk away from this episode with a hit of energy to help yourself, your school, your students, your staff or even your friends and family to find joy through play, well-being and fitness. So let's all sit back and pull up a seat and enjoy this truly inspiring conversation at the Phys Ed table with Dale Sidebottom. Uh, welcome, Dale, to the Phys Ed table podcast, buddy. Um, I suppose... It's, it's been a long time coming. I've, I've sort of pitched the idea to you um, when I ha- sort of came to fruition for me about the podcast and bounced some ideas off you and you sort of set me on the right path and, and sort of guided me with your wisdom and, and experience in terms of the podcast world. But um, thank you very much for coming on today. I'm going to talk about a number of issues, but I suppose we met, it was probably, what, three years ago uh, at the Atchford Taz yeah, Conference. Yeah. yeah, so yep. it was, uh, I suppose, a, a brief meeting but uh we sort of connected from there and started to network on occasions through social media platforms and um yeah it's been fantastic to see i suppose everything that you've developed and starting to spread into the schools and into various um industries um and we're going to talk a little bit about that today but 
to give the view, uh, listeners a little bit more of an understanding of, of what you do and all the different uh, pies that you have your fingers in. Um, yeah, share, share what you do, mate. And um, yeah, give the listeners an idea of who you are and what your mission is. Yeah, perfect. Well, thanks, Casey. Thanks for having me on, mate. And firstly, congratulations on the podcast because it's all well and good to have an idea, but then to to actually do it and the amount of work involved. And I still remember when I bumped into you, you're waiting, we're both presenting at the same time yeah. in that back gym in Tasmania. Yeah. And I remember you saying you're presenting in your university and I was blown away, mate. At university, I couldn't even scratch myself when I presented <laughs> Atchba. So hats off to you there, buddy. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, mate. So a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in uh, Shepparton in country Victoria. Sport was life. There's not really much else you can do there. I actually, I'd like to be there now because I could leave my house. But um, yeah, everything revolved around sport. And I had two fantastic, uh, I had more than probably two, but two stick out for me in high school, uh, PE teachers that were just amazing people and, and they really helped me out. And uh, I just wanted to be one of them. So um, after that, I've become a PE teacher. Went to Ballarat Uni for four years, which was amazing. Um, after that, come back and taught in Shep for a year as a primary PE teacher and I'd never done any primary school. I'd just been all high school in my rounds and I got this job and oh, first day preps, it was like, what is going on? But I love the energy. And it was like, what we were just talking about there, mate, like all the kids coming back to school in Victoria today, like that is unbelievable. The energy would have been ecstatic. So from there, I went to London. I lived there for nearly three years, um, supply teaching. Um, I ended up getting a really good job at a private school, which was great. Uh, come back and then I uh, took up, what did I do? I come back and uh, I worked for Cedar, uh, Cedar and Cricket Australia for four and a half years. And all during that stage, um, I think in London, I released my first mobile app, um, Class Break, because just doing teaching in London, it was like CRT was the craziest thing I've ever done. But each day you just needed ideas. And so I essentially made an app that I wanted and I needed. And from there, I got a little bit crazy. I made another 30-odd apps and it just sort of all took off from there, guys. And my mission is I just want to have fun. And if that's in a workplace, if that's with students, if that's in school, if that's in a sports club, if that's as a family. Um, so I've found ways to do that, to mix movement, learning and fun all together. And um, for the last three and a half years, I've been full-time with a company called Energetic Education and lately one called Sugar Life, which means plain Spanish. And um, those two together are sort of, yeah, what I do, mate. I, I travel around the world now presenting, um, I think I've been to 23 countries. Um, obviously, COVID's put a bit of a stop to that when I can't really leave my house. But uh, the beauty of the internet's been amazing. So that's sort of me in a nutshell, mate. Yeah, I remember... I remember uh, listening to your keynote in, uh, in Tasmania at the Atchba conference and you sharing, I suppose, all the things that you had done early on and, and what, you in, what you planned on doing. And I was just blown away, I suppose, by your capacity to deal with it all. But you were very open and honest and, and um, very humble in terms of where you come from. Um, and I suppose that's what makes you and what you produce with your products and with your companies so relatable and so... Um, purposeful to a lot of teachers and to Excellent. a lot of industries. So, um, yeah, hats off to you for for everything you done uh, you have you have done and you continue to do. Um, and we're going to talk about that and and much more today because it was very hard to sort of nut you down into uh, one <laughs> one topic. So we're sort of covering <laughs> we're going to cover a few and and I suppose they will yeah. lead they will lead and connect within each other because your message is very connected and um, and, and purposeful to what we do. So. We'll talk about play. Um, you're a big advocate for it uh, in terms of what you do with play-based education, uh, play-based mindfulness. Uh, and it, as I said, anyone who's been to your presentations would know about your passion for that. 
But for those who haven't and don't really know what it means or perhaps think they know what they mean, uh, what, what is play-based education and perhaps play-based mindfulness as well? Yeah, so, and when you talk about this, um, I was doing it before, I've been writing a book, and um, to actually narrow down what play is, it's, mm. it's such a hard thing to do. And yep. even all the, uh, the research and evidence is out there, it, there's no clear thing. But for me, play is where you're in flow and you forget everything else going on. Um, and a lot of the activities I'll use, particularly at the start of any session I do, is around, you can call them icebreakers or connection starters or whatever you want. But essentially, it's just allowing people to feel safe, break down barriers and just forget what they're doing. They're that present. They don't know what they did for ate for breakfast. They don't know what they ate for dinner. They don't have to fed the dog or pay the mortgage because they are in flow. And for me, that is play-based mindfulness when you can stop all that head noise because the world we live in at the moment, we're so busy. And like I spoke about in that keynote I did with you, that was the first time I ever shared my story. And I used to think being busy was a badge of honor. I used to be really proud of it. Like, oh, mm. I'm so busy. I'm working 16 hour days, but what an idiot. Like, mm. and, and for me, the only way I could, I couldn't sit down and meditate. My mind wouldn't stop. But when I was teaching at Cedar, I could have short play activities where I'd be so engaged with what I'm doing that I forget everything else. And that was the start upon all of this. That if it worked for me, uh, then I know it works for kids and you see it, but also predominantly adults. And I think that's what we're finding that, you know, we forget to play. Adults forget to play. We become serious. Um, so to go back to it, I've found ways to make learning fun and mm. sort of also mindfulness in a different way fun besides just sitting and breathing, but allowing yourself to be present and in the moment and doing that through play-based activities. So yeah. that's essentially for me what plays. It comes in all different shapes and sizes. Um, and there's no right or wrong answer with that, I suppose, mate. Yeah. yeah. And you see, I think the really good example of that is you see at presentations as us adults, when we are, uh, you might have 20 or 30 and one of your presentations down at Tasmania comes to mind. We're all sitting there and we're very tentative as adults. And you'd think that we would be a little bit more confident, a little bit more open, but we're very tentative. But the minute that particularly in the activities that you delivered, but you see in a lot of good presentations and workshops that you attend, the minute that you start playing, the barriers break down and everyone starts laughing. Everyone starts connecting with each other. And that's the beauty of it. Like you said, we're just in a state of flow where everything else just seems to leave. And we are oh, completely okay. focused on what's in front of us and what we're enjoying in the moment. 100%. And I think that's the best thing about it. You're, as teachers, we think kids are nervous at the start of a year <laughs> or a class. You, every workshop I run, it doesn't matter if there's teachers from all over different schools. Yeah. So nervous. Even if yeah. I go into a full staff room, people are nervous because I sort of bounce in. They're like, oh, what's this goose one? Do you know what I mean? But teachers are worse than students. So yeah. for adults, like, what do we do? We go straight to our phone. We sit mm. there on our phone because that's a safety network, you know, and, and that's essentially what it is. So I feel any session, it doesn't matter if you're running in a primary school, high school, adult, sports club, whatever, you need to build connection as a presenter, as a, as a teacher. And you don't just go in and start delivering content. You've got to make everyone feel safe. And for me, I found ways to do that through non-threatening, safe games where there are no winners or losers. 
Um, and the big thing, I suppose, is with these games I use, Casey, that the limelight's never on anyone. So we don't go around the circle and say, hey, I'm Dale. Hey, I'm Casey. I call that an ice maker because you're too busy thinking about what you're going to say. I'm not even listening to you. I'm like, oh, don't stuff this up. Yeah. Whereas a good connection starter is where everyone's having fun. The limelight's on no one. And they don't engage with what they're doing. They don't even see anyone else. And mm. all you hear in the room, and this is what I want, is laughter, smiles, and fun. And yeah. um, essentially, I find that kids love that, but they still play a lot. Adults, when you mm. do it with adults, you, within 10 minutes walking into a room, I can have people doing some pretty crazy things. And the reason <laughs> is because they get so engaged and we don't allow ourselves to play, particularly, you know, corporates and things. They, they don't get the chance like we do to play with kids every day and enjoy that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the results are pretty cool, mate. Yeah. And I guess the big question is when and perhaps why does that disconnect happen? You know, is it just a natural thing that happens as we, as we progress through our ages or is there some environmental and external influences that really create that disconnect between getting out and playing? I mean, I'm fortunate enough that I'm still involved and able to participate in sport. Um, and I've got um, a great group of friends that we can go out and play sport, but for some people that's not the case. So why and I suppose when have you seen that disconnect happen with play? Yeah, well, and, and like you just said, being part of something. So being part of a sports club, and that's one of the biggest things I feel that we need to open up now is sports clubs because everybody's welcome at a sports club. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone's got a different role. And that's why, particularly as a teacher, I used to love the CPEP option because mm. you may not be the best player, but clubs aren't always about the best player. They've got people behind the scenes. They've got people doing the gates. They've got people cooking. They've got people doing the books. They've got people doing the stats. Everybody's got a role. And that is the beauty of a sports club there. You're always welcome. So if you are able to be part of a sports club, brilliant. But a lot of people are not because they're so busy and so forth like that. And I know myself that I used to play cricket and football every year until, um, you know, I started working too much. And for me, that's when everything slowly got pushed to the side. I said, oh, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. And we make excuses. And as I said, that busyness takes over. And the last thing you end up doing is playing. You're too tired or you're focusing too hard on building this brand and being so cool and, and having this impact. It, then it, it just slowly happens. I suppose it's like you know, people slowly putting on weight or a bad habit taking, you know, might be drinking alcohol every night. You have one here, one there. And by the end you're drinking every night. It's the same with play that it slowly creeps out. And um, as I said, I've been doing a lot of research lately on it and there's no clear answer, but I think, and I say this all the time as adults, we need to have play dates in our schedule. So like kids, you know, they're going on a play date to, I'm going to Casey's house tonight, right, right. Why don't we do that as well? You know, lock 10 minutes in a day and actually non-negotiable, you do it. And it's like anything, if you're not going to implement it and work hard to keep that, then it's going to go. And, and, and essentially that's what happens. So I hope that COVID by slowing everyone down has made them realize that, you know, board games are brilliant. Lego, walking outside, riding a bike. These are things that you need to keep doing because it's bloody awesome. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you in terms of making that time out of your schedule be it 10 15 minutes and even if you schedule it in for 10 minutes it probably ends up being half an hour or an hour that you <laughs> dedicate to it um especially you know pe teachers we're innately competitive so you know, <laughs> we've me and my partner we've headed to kmart and we've got things like finsker and giant jenga ready for the backyard and 10 minutes turns into 30 turns into an hour because you know competitive competition flows and yeah, I think scheduling that 10 minutes in is so important and it's definitely something that you always 
reinforcing your presentations. And I guess that leads into another uh, question I've got for you is how do we advocate for that in schools? Is it, is it about schools and that's whole school as well, leadership getting on board and saying, hey, let's dedicate 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day to just getting outside and playing. Is that something that you certainly advocate for schools or do you have other solutions that you would suggest? Uh, well, this is the thing, like every school is different. It's yep. like every family is different, every sports team different and every every student and teacher is different. So um, it's about finding what works for you. And um, I feel if you're a classroom teacher, then you should have regular play, date, regular play breaks throughout the day. And I'm a big advocate on starting every lesson or starting the morning after recess, after lunch with something fun. It's not related to what you're doing, but it sets a tone that energy flows on. So that's something you do in the classroom. Whereas as a staff, um, I used to, and I know so many teachers probably listen to this, a staff meeting. And a lot of time they have a staff meeting because they have to, I'm like, this is wasting my time because you just get straight into it. It was boring. We'd already had a big day. So what better way to start with something fun? And what I find case is that even if it doesn't work, it's the thought that counts of somebody trying something different. And that's the beauty with play that even when it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because normally people will laugh about it. So the thing is, you've just got to try and you've got to be consistent with it. It's not always going to work and you're not always going to get everybody saying, oh, this is amazing. I can't wait to do it. You're always going to get the lemon suckers, the negative Nancy, the negative Nigels. They're never going to buy into it. Don't worry about them. Worry about the people that want to do it because the ones that don't want to do it, they will be looking going, oh, they're actually having a lot of fun. Mm. And just make it a regular thing that every staff meeting we're starting with this. And yep. as well as that, one thing I found worked really well, particularly when I was teaching high school at Cedar, is between the families and the students, there was a disconnect. That They'd go home, they'd be on social media, they'd be on YouTube, whatever. They wouldn't have any connection. So setting play tasks to go home with that the students would play in the classroom and then I'd just give them the score sheet and they'd have to go and play that with a family member or a parent. There's no instructions. So then they would have to do that. And they fun games, like little things like dice, cricket, yards, like ones I've used in all my sessions. And from there, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I was getting parents and students to talk because they were able to play to it with each other. And it wasn't any devices or anything. I think that's another big thing that technology is amazing. And it, where would we be in 2020 without it? But if possible, when you can get rid of that and go back to the basics, Uno cards, dice, and uh, a deck of cards, they're the best thing you ever need. So that's what I found is just not really giving people the option, just keeping on going with it and trying a number of different things because one size does not fit all. All schools, all parents, all teachers are different. So find what works with you, but I, I really recommend giving it a go. And it's not, about, it's not about being the best at it. And I get this a lot. People go, oh, Dale, I don't have your energy. I'm not like, oh, yeah, but you've got better skills in other areas than me. So find something that suits your qualities and your skills and just give it a go. You've got yeah. nothing to lose. And that, that's the biggest bit of advice I give anyone whenever I speak. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another thing to take from that is, you know, even even if they don't have that energy and enthusiasm, you know your students, you know, you know what will make them tick. You know how, you, how you'll be able to get them on board and um, uh, hook them in, as we say, hook them in yep. with what you know is going to work for those students. So. I suppose it leads in a little bit to what we're going to talk about now in, in with well-being and physical activity and how those two can really tie together because now more than ever, it's going to be imp so important. And I, I strongly believe that a lot of schools are really going to 
change and reform their approach next year to really make sure we cater for well-being and the physical activity of students. But we all know that as people in the industry, we all know the benefits of physical activity on the physical, the mental, the social, but sometimes I feel like it can be a bit of a throwaway line. You know, we almost expect people to know that um, and expect the students to naturally just pick up on that through the games and the activities that we play. So how can we as physical educators or classroom teachers create that connection between well-being and movement rather than having them to having the two separate, you know, having a one hour well-being session and then oh, your movement session is your one hour PE. How can we start to bring those things together um, and really make sure we advocate for it now more than ever? Yeah, massively. And like you just said, it's got to be everybody together. Do you know what I mean? Like classroom teachers need to do this, PE teachers, other specialists, everyone, the leadership. It just needs to be a part of your school. And I'm huge on don't label anything. Do you know what I mean? This yeah. is PE. This is well-being. Let's mix it all together. Um, mm -hmm. And that's when you have the best result. And I find by having games and, and for example one that i've used i've used a lot is a game called gratitude monopoly i don't call it gratitude monopoly for the students this is monopoly but when they land on a square or it might be like happy street or something like that that they'll read the question and it's something that they can reflect and they why they're doing the movement underneath with their partner they've got to answer that question so mm. they don't even really realize they're doing it because they're playing a game of monopoly and they're going around um, at the end is when the learning sort of takes place. So I feel a lot of the time when we're talking about well-being and health and uh, mental health and things like that, it's got a it's got a bad stigma because we don't make it fun. We get straight into talking about it and the, like how we can go overcome it and things like this. My thing is that once you feel it and you enjoy it, then the learning takes place afterwards. So I would really recommend finding activities where you can incorporate any form of mindfulness, gratitude, kindness, anything like that into a game so that students actually don't think they're doing it. Um, one of the things I talk massively about now is a peg and that's the daily peg. So every classroom have one of these. You need to have some form of play, exercise, gratitude and giving in your day. And then at the end of the day, you can put the peg on and so forth like that. And I found that is a very simple way of doing it. And it also is a brilliant way for families to talk about at the end of the day as well, you know, that that's when a really good conversation is started. So for me, I know I've gone way about with your question there, Case, but right. what it really comes back to is don't label things um, yeah. and get creative. Like if there's a game that your students love, try and mix in some simple reflection questions to change their mindset or some questions that they might uh, think about how they could help others or what other people mean to them. Um, so instead of just doing a movement or a skill, maybe while they're doing that skill, they've got to recite something they're grateful for or some, the biggest win they've had or, or a quality about themselves that they love. Because yeah. when you talk about these things, they're really hard. If you're just doing a worksheet in class, then of course it's hard. But if you're moving your body, you don't even actually realize you're doing it because it's part of the game. So whatever you want to call it, I call it sneaky fitness a lot when I used to do my first workshops because I'd sneak in fitness with the yeah. games. But now, sneaky mindfulness, sneaky gratitude, sneaky well-being, whatever you want it to be. If you're having fun and engaged, um, and a lot of time not even writing it down, just reciting these to somebody else. There's so many different ways you can do it. But I think when you label something, um, straight away, people bring up those blinds and they don't want a bar of it. So yep. um, mixing everything together, I've found just it works incredibly well.
Yeah, no, and it, I think it, re it relates to something that I have read up on uh, recently um, is the teaching personal and social responsibility model, um, which has been around, but you, you know, like these models, they tend to get recycled and then they come back when we need them the most, you know? Um, and it, it certainly relates to what you were saying where you, you're using movement and physical activity or physical education as the vehicle for it. So um, I remember I went to a presentation with Rick Baldock at the Atchford Victoria conference last year, uh, and he used uh, net and wall or tennis as the example, uh, or as the vehicle, sorry. But within that, rather than the, I suppose, game sense model where we play a game, come back, discuss about the tactics and concepts, that's what we were expecting. But he asked us questions about, well, what was something your partner did well? What was something that your opposition did well? And then slowly, as we went back into the games, we actually started to focus on those elements more than trying to win the point. You know, so it was a really interesting shift to, to feel personally, but to also see the rest of the attendees in that workshop um, have, have that change happen. So to suddenly go from playing a competitive game to then starting to shift their mindset and think about, well, okay, what was my opponent doing really well there that almost benefited me? What, what were my opponents doing really well that let them win that point? So it's a really interesting um, shift to see happen and feel happen. But like you said, it's, it's sneaking them in or using it as the vehicle, whatever you want to use, uh, call it. Yeah, and I suppose with that, what, what that really comes down to and what Rick's done is if you want quality conversation, it comes down to the questions you're asking. So yeah. particularly, and I've noticed this through COVID, like everyone's saying, are you okay? And check in, like, that's great. But if you're just saying to someone, how are you all the time? You'll get the same rubbish response. Yeah, I'm yeah. good, thanks. You need to do something different. And that's essentially what Rick's done there. Instead of focusing mm. on the game sense of the tennis about the point, he's got you thinking about other things. And straight mm. away, the conversation changes. Mm. And that's exactly, you're already doing these activities, but it's not about winning or losing sport play whatever has got so much more to it and yeah. it's really just about identifying those and and it doesn't happen at the start case this is a big one it happens at the end and that's when the light bulb moment goes off for our kids they're like oh actually i relied on billy over here or, or sarah to help me in that point and without them i couldn't have done this but mm. you can't tell them before they need to feel it and that's what yeah. i mean about you know the mental health well-being whatever you want to go on with they need to feel it and be part of it. Then you can reflect on it at the end. And, and that's, that's essentially, it's like a podcast. If you keep asking the same questions, you're going to get the same podcast. Whereas mm. you're listening beautifully now, mate, and, you, and you're flowing it along. And that's why the conversation flows. It's the yeah. same with our teaching. You know, yeah. you've got to view, watch and listen. And that's when, you know, those light bulb moments come off for our students. Something that I absolutely was gobsmacked by were your daily mission cards, mate. They are... <laughs> Simply incredible. Um, if you haven't got your hands on them already, or you haven't looked at them and um, and seen that oh, you've got you've got um, yeah multiple oh, sets now, yeah. yeah different <laughs> sets. So um, I love them. Um, the students love them. I ha had a crack with my staff over the the COVID break where we we just focused on one and we had that go. Clicked emails around. Beautiful. Loved it. Cool. Um, yeah. And look, tell us about how they came about. Uh, uh, share us what you've got available now because I know you've got five sets you just said yeah, um, yep. and what is what is the purpose of each of them I suppose because each of them have a different purpose even though I suppose they've got the overarching goal of, of achieving um, happiness and, and enjoyment but what yep. are the 
the individual uh, sets and, and the purpose of them. Essentially, when I was always working with schools and things that you find it easy to play after you give them an exercise. But the ones I really found hard were practicing gratitude or finding yeah. fun ways to do it instead of just write down things you're grateful for and be do kind things because you know, after a while you get sick, like do something nice and it's too open-ended. Whereas I was like, right, I want one thing for everyone to focus on for the day. And that's what it was. So I come up with the original deck was sort of 40 sort of kind missions and you grab one for the day. Um, and as a class, as a workplace, wherever you are, you've got to try and complete that mission. And some of them are really simple. Like what do we got here? So the snake do a chore or do a favor today for someone without them knowing do a chore task job without somebody knowing or asking anything returned, give compliments, uh, sit in silence, do something nice for yourself. They're all basic little things like that. And what I found was that was really helping the peg approach. And that was ticking that off. And then people were like, this is great. Do you reckon you could make some for play? So I teamed up uh, with Richard Cheatham uh, in the UK, MBE. He'd be an amazing person to have on your podcast as well, Case. Um, and we put together uh, Brian Sutton Smith, sort of the godfather of play. There's seven main play types and each, each color represents one color of the rainbow. And essentially there's seven different play types, seven different missions for each one. And again, you just do one each day because what I was finding, if you're doing gratitude or kindness every day for students, they become a bit sick of it. So why not mix it up with a play one and then a kindness one. And it basically gives them one thing to focus on for the day. Like horses, when you put the blinkers on, they've just got to win that race. And it was the same for our students. Um, so that are the first two decks. Uh, then I got married last year and um, I wanted to sit everyone in different seats. Like I, and my wife's a massive introvert. You'd probably guess that because I control the situation talking and she goes, there's no way we're doing it. So I created um, a set of daily mission cards for that. And it's sort of like a, a function set. So um, for your staff and different things like yeah. that, it's all about, uh, there's animals on there for mixing groups and colors, but it's different ways to make people feel safe. So go and talk to somebody you don't know, do something for somebody sitting by themselves or just different things like that. And so everyone at the wedding had one of those on their table. And it was, it was really cool seeing different, you could tell people were uncomfortable, but that yeah. for some reason, because it was a car, I'd never had one, they ended up doing it. Whereas yeah. if you just say at a wedding, go and mingle or at a function, you normally just talk to the people on your table. Um, and it was really nice to see people actually said afterwards on the recovery day that I spoke to this person, we had a dance, we had so much more in common just because of that stupid card you put on my table now. And I was like, <laughs> that's really nice. So, um, and then I made a fun fitness one recently. And also um, in the first kindness pack, when I was saying about gratitude, um, there's something I used to do with my CETA students and you'd roll a dice and the, mm. the number on the dice represented a different question. So yeah. there's a morning reflection, evening reflection and adding a dice into anything case, as you know, makes mm. it fun. Right, breaks down barriers, makes you feel safe. Uh, so I made a whole thing around conversation starters and sort of breathing exercises that, as I said before, um, so many Zoom meetings and um, like running sessions online that you need to make it memorable somewhere. And I, I found that quality questions led to quality lessons. And yeah. so they're basically 20 different cards. You roll a dice and then you answer a question. So yeah. um, I got a bit carried away. If you saw my office now, there is hundreds of them everywhere. Yeah. Uh, there's something I'm really proud of. I think they're in nearly 40 countries now around the world. Um, yeah. And yeah, pretty, pretty cool when you get like random emails from everywhere saying, mm. oh, we love this one or this is something that happened of it or this was a response to that card. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it's pretty humbling. It was just an idea I had. I... Um, thought it was an idea and yeah, I'd put it into place and yeah, it's pretty cool. So thanks for yeah, giving it a shout out, mate. Really appreciate no, that. No, they are, they are incredible. And uh, I think I shared with you the story where I actually first implemented them where each student was given a card and 
what this one student um, had the card where it was, um, I think it was give 10 high fives to 10 different people. Um, and then the bell went and then this student approached me and I'm going, Oh God, what's happening here? Like, does he want to talk to me about something or mum and dad want to meet with me? Came up, put his <laughs> hand up, high five. And I said, he said, I saved the last one for you, Mr. Young. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Like, it was just, it was one of those moments where you go, well, that's what we do it for. You know, that's that. And I suppose those cards and the different variations that you've got, I love the function one. I think that's brilliant. Um, (laughs) I think, I think if you are an educator or um, a leader in any industry, these cards have something to offer. So um, yeah, get onto them on energetic education, I believe. Yeah, they're on there. They're on a few different sites. And yep, yep, you can go and check them out there. Yeah. We'll head into another one of your passions, mate, which is fitness. Um, Everyone's got different relationships with fitness. I think (laughs) they do. Personally, my philosophy is they've got a relationship with the word, not the actual intent and concept of it. Um, I mean, Personally, I, I, you know, I enjoy my fitness. I enjoy keeping fit, um, but I don't like going to football training and just running laps <laughs> or running shuttle runs. You know, yeah. I, I'd prefer to, like you said, be snuck in within the drills when the footy's in our hand, playing match simulation or whatever. Um, but I think, do you, I often see teachers do they do sneak it in? You know, during invasion games or in sport education models. Um, but do you think fitness still has a role as its sole self or do you think it's something that we need to start maybe blending within different units? Yeah. I, and, and again, straight away, people, when you say we're doing fitness, mm. it's, do you know what I mean? It's probably like some, if I, if I, we talked to our parents, do you know what I mean? PE, oh, I, I hated PE straight away because they had bad experiences with it. And a lot of the time, like I did a number of pre-seasons back in the day as well. And they were boring. <laughs> You'd rock up with, we're doing a hundred hundreds. Is that the most disengaging <laughs> thing you've ever heard? Like whoever come up with that is ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> Like it's, it's one of those things that I feel fitness is a lifelong skill um, that you need to have, but you need to enjoy it. Um, So uh, if, if that word doesn't work well with your students, don't use it. And this is what I was saying before, find a way to incorporate it into regular energy breaks in the classroom, or, you know, you might start or finish your PE lesson with it, or you might incorporate it in different ways. Use music. I know I, that was my big thing. And when I started, I'd, you find a song's got a lot of repeated words in it. Just keep doing a movement on those words and three minutes. And if you do three minutes of fitness pretty well, then you don't need to do a circuit. And that's the problem, you know, like, and over COVID, I saw so many people, you know, doing a boring circuit. And that's, that's because it's so hard. I'm not saying anything against teachers, but straight away, it's not engaging. And that way kids don't want to do it, you know, and if they're doing the same thing over and over, if they hear do squats, like, what's the point? You need to give them a reward for doing squats. If they pull over a card and it says, do it, beauty, that card made me. Simple yeah. little changes like that just completely flip it. Um, and yeah. I know I do I do a lot of work with like uh, cricket sides, men's and AFL women's and uh, AFL sides. And they simply get me in to do preseason and make it fun. Yeah. And I'll show them five or 10 different activities and then they will use them one per night in between the running. And yeah. that's enough to 
get people coming back. Do you know what I mean? And, and people will remember that because it's memorable. It's fun. They forget they're moving their body. So for me, I do think fitness has got a place to play, but don't label anything. I, I think this thing of giving things blocks, like we've got an hour of literacy, hour of numeracy, hour mm. of fitness or whatever. Like, I don't think it works. I don't, I'm not a big believer in that. And I know you have to tick off all the boxes, but if you can find a way to mix them together, um, yeah. that's when the magic happens. And yeah. the, the thing is, you can probably tell, like, I didn't like sitting down as a, as a student. So don't make those students sit down, but let people learn how they want. If you need to do a plank and learn, do it. Um, but yeah, mate, I, I think it's got a big place to play, but then as well as that, it's the way you deliver it. And again, everyone, every teacher here will know their students and they'll know the ones that really don't like fitness. So they're the ones you want to, if you can win them over by using fun games or making fitness fun, everyone else will love it. Um, yeah. And I think that's a big challenge because if they enjoy moving their body in primary school, they're going to enjoy moving their body in high school, hopefully. And then when they leave school, they're going to want to continue to move their body. And that is, that's our goal. I think to, to create lifelong learners and also movers. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's, it's always a tricky battle to try and, um, uh, help those students who have potentially had a negative experience or they just naturally don't have the uh, self-confidence to, to participate in it um, and the, or the perceived confidence to, to participate in it. So it, it's always an ongoing battle. But like you said, I think if you can blend it, hide it, um, sneak it in, whatever you want to call it, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to pay dividends. And um, uh, I've seen things such as using fit balls um, to sit on in, in the classroom and do work. Um, I've seen people sit in a, uh, a hammock or, or a swing in the corner. Uh, so I think, I, I think the opportunities are there to certainly blend it all in. Um, and I love dice. I mean, you mentioned it earlier and I wanted to touch on it, but dice are just such a powerful oh, thing. Oh, they're just, they take away, I suppose, the, the element of, of control a little bit that some students naturally have on games. Um, you know, your good students are gonna are gonna have success in the games that you have. They'll find a way. But when you add a dice in, it takes away the control and that element of mystery. I guess that you don't know what it's going to land on. And um, the simple one that we see a lot of the time with PE is roll a dice, and a number represents a fitness movement uh, or an exercise. So, yeah, get dice involved in your in your curriculum. Yeah. The thing with that too, Case, and I always say this and at a workshop when I start, because I use dice for everything, I go, put your hand up if you're a professional dice roller. And everyone <laughs> looks at me weird. No one's a professional dice roller. Yeah. You may be the best in the class and keep rolling ones. I'm the worst. Yeah. I keep rolling six and I'll beat you. Yeah. It's the only time that will allow it to happen. And yeah. that also teaches the guns in your class or the really able students that sometimes life isn't fair. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, Case, you're better than Dale. But Dale beat you today because he was unable to roll. Even though <laughs> that was unfair, life's not always going to be fair. Yeah. And I feel there's so many lessons you can use with a dice. It's, um, as you said, mate, uh, they're brilliant. And they're so cheap. Yeah. That's all you yeah. need. You just need yeah. dice. Yeah, I think, and I think re um, remote learning as teachers has certainly forced us to look in a different, um, through a different lens in a lot of the equipment and, and resources that we use. I mean, we've had to open up pantries and wardrobes rather than open up storerooms and, <laughs> and bags full of balls. So like we, I, th I think we're naturally going to go back to school with a whole new perspective on what we can create and what we can use um, with the opportunities that may not necessarily be there. So, you know, a dice may be naturally 
you know, designed to be a part of board games, but now we can see the opportunities for it. So, you know, I think going back to school and going back to on-site as teachers, we need to take that lens with us and look at our storeroom in a completely different light. Um, and the other one is the rock, paper, scissors. When you flipped it and said, right, the people that lose now are the ones that progress or the ones that go to the next level. I think that's a brilliant one. And whenever I pull that out with my students, they think they have a hold of it and they're like, yeah, no, I, I know, I know what to do now, but never, never. You can't, then, you can't win. You can't win, mate. And, and that's like, that is the best thing about it. And like it, it makes you think you've got to be creative about it, but also look at all the teachers. It's been incredible. And I know just from me presenting in person to try and now build engagement through a screen, how creative you've had to become. And like mm. you said, going through the pantries, through your sock drawer, everything like that, that's creative play coming up with those ideas. And that is brilliant. It's I've loved seeing so many videos on social media of the ways you could use socks in a washing basket. I think it's unreal. Yeah, yeah no, it's brilliant. <laughs> oh, oh. The, the one that uh, the students really gave me good feedback on was when I was teaching the leap. Um, we used one, uh, one foot had one colored sock on, the other foot had another colored sock on. So they got the understanding of I take off with this black sock and then I land on the blue yeah. sock or the green sock or whatever. So, you know, there's some, That's there's, opportunities. One, That's really yeah, good. there's opportunities there. And um, I encourage people to really open up their storeroom or their, you know, um, resource cupboard, whatever they have, and just look at it differently. Just take the time to, okay, yes, it's designed to be thrown, but what other opportunities um, can be afforded with this object? Or So, yeah, I think people like you are the ones that really, we walk away and we go, okay, now I can think, and I've got those creative juices flowing. I can start to think a little bit broadly, a little bit more divergently, I suppose, um, into the things that we are traditionally supposed to think of. Just a final takeaway, mate, a um, little table takeaway, something that you, I suppose, would like our lead listeners to, to walk away from, from this episode with, um, some final little bit of words of wisdom from you. <laughs> words of wisdom. Um, it's a really good one, mate. I think, I think the biggest thing is be kind to yourself. Um, as teachers, educators, everyone this year has been incredibly tough. And um, one thing I've found is that, I've never, I've had a lot of down days and I know everyone else has as well. And um, one thing that I'd really recommend is don't push that aside. Um, embrace it because it is pretty tough, um, but you're getting through it. And um, just, yeah, I think don't bottle things up. The, the power of talking to other people, but also the one thing I've found that's worked so well, instead of asking people how they are, I've got two different things you can do. So instead of saying, how are you? I'll reach out to a mate and say, can you send me by the end of the day, five emojis with how your week's been and explain each one. And they'll send that to me. And I said, I'll do the same after you. What that does, it breaks down barriers and it makes sharing on a way deeper level. And then you'll give them a buzz afterwards and you have a really meaningful conversation. Um, emojis are so powerful. It doesn't, it's like a dice. They mean different things to different people and it allows an in-depth conversation. So be kind to yourself. But if you are going to reach out to other people, particularly because you need to do that, you need to keep doing it. Um, but do it in a different way. Don't just say, are you okay? How are you going? Try something different. Two emojis, three emojis. Um, if you feel scared doing it, then that's probably more reason to do it. Yeah. Uh, drastic times, you need to mix it up. So be kind to yourself and, and try something different to your friends. Um, I know that, yeah, it's been really cool. And, and people have said to me, that's a really weird thing you've asked, but I really liked it. Um, mm. 
So that, that's been one thing that I've really liked doing. And uh, yeah, it might be something, it's not really educational based or anything like that, but it might be something that, uh, yeah, you can give it a try and see how it goes. It might not work, it may. So yeah, yeah. give it a go. No, I think it's, it's nice grounding and humbling words that you've left us with. And I think we all need to, like you said, um, take a deep breath and slow down uh, because yeah. as, te- as teachers, if we're talking in an edu- educational perspective, we, can, we could easily go back to term four and just try and get the motor running as uh, where we um, pick it up, where we left it off, I suppose. But um, we can't do that. We've got to take a step back, take a breath, slow down. And let's all just move together and move um, as one. So, yeah, 100%. Um, finally, mate, uh, I, you've obviously got a lot of a lot going on with with the different companies. <laughs> I'll I'll put them all in the description so people can access <laughs> Thanks, them. Um, but uh, finally, thank you very very much for joining me. Um, I've I said to you when I first pitched the podcast idea to you, I'd, I'd love to get you on at some stage. I know you're flat chat, but We'll get it off the ground and get it running, and then we'll we'll um, we'll join up and we'll do an episode together. But um, it's been great to see you, um, uh, you know, and catch up. But it's also been great to um, hear from you again and and bounce ideas off one another because that's what this podcast is all about: is collaborating, um, networking, and sharing ideas and and finding uh, and sorry, helping each other uh, reach that common goal of making students in the world more active uh, and more enjoyable. So. Thanks, Dale. Really appreciate your time on the episode today. Um, and yeah, stay safe with, uh, with everything going on. Champion. Thanks so much, Casey. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks for listening to the Phys Ed Table podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Phys Ed Table, where you can have your say in each episode's poll to decide what our guests discuss next.